Good morning and welcome to worship at Brentwood Baptist Church. We are delighted that you're joining us with this online experience. We hope that you and your family are healthy and safe, and we are all anticipating the time when we can come back together in all of our campuses and celebrate the goodness of the Lord together. We continue with our stories about churches that made impact in black history. We started with the Dexter Avenue Baptist Church in Montgomery, Alabama, where uh, Dr. Martin Luther King was pastor when the bus boycotts of Montgomery were planned and the civil rights movement was birthed out of that church. We talked about the 16th Avenue Baptist Church in Birmingham, uh, where the Klan uh, thought that they could impact the marchers who were gathering at that church to begin their march if they bombed the church. What they didn't know is that four little girls had shown up early for Sunday school and those little girls were killed when that Klan bomb went off. Uh, we talked about last week uh, about uh, the first African Baptist church in Savannah, Georgia, and how the slaves used their money that they'd been sla- saving for their own freedom to buy the land to build that church. Today, we're going to talk about the Spruce Street Baptist Church here in Nashville, Tennessee. It is one of the oldest congregations in the city, and certainly one of the oldest African-American congregations. Spruce Street started out of First Baptist Church of Nashville. In the 1830s, the church allowed the slaves to meet for their own prayer meetings. In the 1840s, they allowed the slaves to have their own church meetings, but they still controlled the church. Then the Civil War happened. After the Civil War, they allowed the church to be on its own. And after a few years, they bought a piece of property and built their first building at Spruce Street, where it is still located. It has been in existence since the 1830s. It has been the centerpiece of African-American life in their community in Nashville since that time. Now, we have celebrated a lot of things and we have learned a lot of things from our African-American brothers and sisters in their journey. And you wanna ask me this question, how do we know that's really a Baptist church, Mike? Well, I'll tell you. This church has split twice. (laughs) Once, when it got a new pastor and all the church couldn't agree on the new pastor and so Spruce Street split and out of that came Mount Olive Baptist Church. Then the church building burned and the church couldn't agree on how to spend the insurance money. And the First Baptist Church of Capitol Heights came out of that split. What's more Baptist than splitting? So what we're gonna learn today is that we're all the same. A Baptist is a Baptist is a Baptist. And we celebrate the continual witness of the Spruce Street Baptist Church and their impact on the city of Nashville that they've had since their beginning and that they're continuing to have now.
Back in the day, there was a great love song by, uh, done by a man named David Loggins. Uh, the song was Please Come to Boston. And the song was about a guy who traveled across the U.S. trying to find a good place for him to fit. And he would always send the letter home to his girlfriend, please come to Boston, please come to Denver, please come to L.A. And each time she would answer back, no, you come home to me. There ain't no gold and there ain't nobody like me. I'm the number one fan of the man from Tennessee. Please come to Boston. No, you come home to me. Please come home to Denver. No, you come home to me. Please come to L.A. No, you come home to me. Today, we're going to read a very familiar story. Probably it has the danger of being too familiar. It's the story of the prodigal son. Find it in Luke 15. Of all the stories Jesus told, this is the one that all of us remember. All of us know. The problem when you read a passage like this is you'll hear that first phrase, a father had two sons. And you'll think, oh, I know this story. And you'll quit listening. That's okay. The story is told about people who should know, but don't. Luke 15, stand with me in honor of God's word, wherever you are, and let's read this familiar story together. A man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. So he distributed his assets to them. And not many days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and he traveled to a distant country where he squandered the estate in foolish living. After he'd spent everything, a severe famine struck that country, and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his field to feed the pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were eating. But no one, no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. I'll get up and I'll go to my father and I'll say to him, father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. So make me like one of your hired workers. So he got up and he went to his father. But while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion, and he ran and threw his arms around his neck, and he kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. That the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf, and let's slaughter it, and celebrate with a feast, because the son of mine who was dead, he is alive again. One who was lost is now found. So they began to celebrate. Now the older son was in the field, and he came near the house, and he heard the music and the dancing, and he summoned one of the servants, questioning what these things meant. Well, your brother is here, he told him. Your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. 
The older brother became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, look, I've been slaving these many years for you, and I've never disobeyed your orders, and you never gave me a goat so that I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who's devoured your assets with prostitutes, you slaughtered the fattened calf. Son, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and he's alive again. He's lost and he is now found. But when he came to his senses, God's word for God's people, hear it, believe it, and live. Let's pray together. Two sons living in the same household, and yet neither one of them really knew you. We pray as we have gathered in our homes, as we have gathered in the sanctuary, that we, your children, will know the Father. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Did you see what happened? Jesus has told three stories. Luke has them one right after the other. There's a story of the lost sheep. The shepherd realizes one of the sheep is gone. The shepherd leaves and goes and finds the lost sheep. A woman loses a coin. Now, this is not she lost change from her purse. She probably had this coin on a necklace, and that was where she carried her wealth. Uh, these coins would have been uh, hammered into that necklace, attached to the necklace. That was where she would have carried her dowry. It was more than just a coin. It was everything she was worth. And now it's gone. She tears her house apart looking for that coin. And when she finds it, she is so happy, she calls in all the neighbors to celebrate. And now we have the lost sheep. We have the lost coin. Now we have the lost son. But the father doesn't go after him. The father waits. Now, you know what happened. The younger brother comes to the father and says, listen, I'm tired of living at home. I want what would come to me if you were to die. Can you imagine the arrogance? Can you imagine the, the rudeness, the coldness of saying to your father, I wish you'd go ahead and die so I could get what's coming to me. Strangely, the father doesn't argue. There's no debate. He splits the inheritance with both of them. So now the younger son has what he would have. He has a fair amount of wealth. And it was not long after that that he took off. And it was not long after that that he was broke. We're not given any details of how he lived or what he did. Luke leaves that up to us to fill it in. It's as if he says to us as we read it, listen, what you would have done in the far country, that's the same thing the little brother did. What you're imagining, that's the same thing he did, but each of us bring a different story, a different sin. But all of us know what the little brother did. 
And you know how the world is. Once you're of no use to them, once you have no value to them, they cast you aside. And that was the hard lesson the little brother found out. And now he's in a far country, a long way away from home. He's nobody. He has no connections. He has no one to help him. Even as pitiful as he was, nobody would toss a leftover sandwich or loose change to help him. Nobody helped him, and he was starving to death. Feeding pigs, starving to death. And then that's when it happened. Did you see it? The translation we read, and a lot of translations say that the man came to his senses. It's more dramatic than that. It is more basic than that. Uh, some of the older translations say that the younger son came to himself. Huh. That's a weird way to say that, isn't it? How do you come to yourself? Oh, I see me. I'm over here. I'm going to go over here to myself. How do, how do you lose yourself? I don't know. I was right here a while ago, and I, I placed myself down somewhere, and now I can't find myself. How does that happen? You know, don't you? You've run so fast and tried to do so much, running up that hill, chasing after that trophy, that sooner or later, you don't even know who you are anymore. You don't recognize the face that's looking back at you in the mirror. There has been a fundamental ripping of the personality from what you know to be true and the lie you're living. A tearing of what you know to be true and the lie that you are living this younger brother knew who he was. He knew he was the son of the father. He knew what was back at his home. And yet he was living the lie that he was nobody. And he came to himself. And he went home. The beautiful part of this story is the father doesn't wait for the younger brother to get home. He sees him when he's still a long way off. And you parents know this, don't you? You can always recognize your child. You don't have to fully see who they are. It may be just a shadow. It may be just a silhouette against a wall. It may be a distant figure, but you know that that child is yours. Same with the father. There was something about the angle of the man's head, something about the slope of his shoulders. And the father knew, that's my son. And he started running. Those listening to the story would have begun, begun to laugh at this impossible figure. Men wore long robes. It was impossible for guys to run. And in the desert, you didn't run much. One, you couldn't run in the sand. And two, you'd exhaust yourself. So you learn to take things slow. But this great God of ours pulls up his robe, 
so that his old bony legs are showing, and off he runs to that beautiful reunion. The son tries to get a few words in edgewise. You know, Father, I've sinned. This is wrong, and the father doesn't let him finish. Kill the fattened calf. Put a ring on his finger, a robe on his back, put sand on on his feet. This boy of mine who was dead is now alive. This boy of mine who was lost is now found. And the old and the younger brother who went off to the far country to party finds the best party of all is in his father's own house. A lot of us know that, don't we? The world will say, hey, here's who you need to date. Here's who you need to marry. She meets all of the qualifications, but she's not a Christian. She's not serious about her faith. And then the Lord says, no, this is the one I've been holding for you. This is the one I've been preparing for you. And the relationship that follows It's so deep and so rich, sometimes you cannot believe that it is true. I don't know why we have such a hard time believing that God has our best in his heart for us. The best party of all wasn't in the far country, wasn't with a bunch of strangers. It was in his own father's house. It was such a great party that the older brother wouldn't even come in. The older brother who was mad. This boy of yours, did you see how the older brother disowned the little brother? It wasn't you, my brother's done this. It's this son of yours, this stranger you brought home, has taken all of your money. And then the older brother begins to detail what the younger brother did. He spent all his money with prostitutes. He spent all the money in late night clothes. You know what he did. We're never told what the younger brother did. We're just told that he spent all of his money in riotous living. Luke leaves you to the details. What the older brother does is tell us what he would have done if he had gone off to the far country. You see, the older brother kept the rules. This is what is expected of me. I will do this. I'll make good grades. I'll show up on time. I'll do my chores. But he didn't, he wasn't happy about it. He kept dreaming about the time that he would run off and that he would go to the far country. You see, one of the things that made the older brother mad was that the younger brother had the guts to go do the sin. And now the older brother is furious. And the father goes out to him. The father doesn't chase the little brother who leaves. The father chases the older brother who stays. Everything I have is already yours. Don't you know that? No. The elder brother didn't know that. He was lost too. You see, being lost doesn't have anything to do 
with geography. Here you have a little brother who goes off into the far country, but he knows. So he comes home. You have the older brother who lives right, but doesn't know. Father had two sons. Neither one of them knew him. Being lost is never a matter of geography. The old evangelist tell the story, make the point that the ripest field for evangelism is in the pew of every local church. That in the pew of any church, there are people who claim to know God, who claim to have an experience with God, and yet don't know him at all. Over the last several months, I began to worry that that's where a lot of us are. The things that I have seen written on social media are hateful, embarrassing to Christ, not indicative of his kingdom. The conversations I've heard between brothers and sisters, brothers and brothers, sisters and sisters, indicate we are sons and daughters who don't know the Father. I'm afraid too many of you like the older brother, or sitting in the pew, you're doing all of the right things, but you've never met the Father. And you keep thinking that God is going to chase you down and tackle you one day. He's not. That's what the story tells us. He didn't chase the little brother. He won't chase you. He won't chase me. God says to us, you know who you are. Created in my image. Worth the sacrifice of God's own son. You know who you are. You know who I am, the Father says. When you get serious, you come home. 
Please come to Boston. Please come to Denver. Please come to L.A. No. You come home to me. Let's pray together. It's hard to believe, Father, we can stand right next to you and be lost, but we can. Being lost is never a matter of geography. So we pray now in these moments as we continue to worship that we would know you even as you know us through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Savior. Amen.